Oh, praise the Lord. God bless you, everybody. Happy Good Friday 2021. This is Dr. Valerie Simpson with Reset Forever Ministries and... Praise the Lord, this is Brother Daniel Simpson. And we are here today to review the Sunday School lesson from Union Gospel Press. That's lesson number five for April the 4th, 2021. And uh, the topic of the lesson is a promise received by faith. The two portions or the two um, passages of scripture, the first is in the book of Romans, chapter number four, verses 18 through 25 and the second passage will be from the gospel of saint luke chapter number 24 verse number one through verse number nine so grab your writing utensils whatever devices you're going to use and let's look into the word of god and with that i'm going to give it over to our teacher for today elder daniel simpson god bless you sir Praise the Lord. Thank God for this opportunity to look into his word again. And the topic of our lesson is A promise, promise received by, by faith. faith. So let's look at this topic. Uh-huh. Now we know what faith means. It's trusting or having confidence in this case what God has said. Yeah, and then I think it goes a little, um, some people would even describe it as knowing that something uh, or someone, somehow things are going to be brought together. It's going to happen. That's what faith is. It shall be because he said. Yes. Mm-hmm. But a promise is another word I looked up also. Okay. And a promise, the definition to that is, a assurance that God will do a particular thing. Absolute assurance. I like the way that they assurance. Mm-hmm. Assurance is like a guarantee or, you know, I'm going to do it. Yeah, and so it kind of, assurance kind of wipes out the doubt. It's what it does. It wipes out uh, reasons to question whether it will happen or not. You are assured. So, Valerie, you do have your Bible. Okay. Yeah. So, we're going to look up some promises that God had made not only to Abraham but the promises he had made to the church Okay. so go to Hebrews chapter 6 alright and what verse are we starting at verse 13 to verse 20 we're going to look at a biblical definition of well, the word of God acting out a promise that God had made to Abraham Okay. so it's Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 6 and 13 through 20 says, For when God had made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, And an oath of confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirming it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope 
set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which endureth into that wherein the veil, within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Yes. So that is the promise. As you can see, this promise that Hebrew lays out, mm-hmm. it goes from Abraham. Mm-hmm. It starts it off with Abraham. Yeah. And he brings it all the way down to the church and even to Christ, who have a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, now I think that the word in there that, that really adds to the convincing, the shows that God is trying to convince, he says that um, God, um, verse number 17, wherein God more willingly, more God willingly, more abundantly, to show to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel. He was abundantly willing to show them, because immutability means unchangeability. And God was more willing, even more abundantly willing to show them, there is no changing in my promises. All the promises of God are yea in, in him, amen. So he went on not to just swear to them, and make an oath because if they made an oath in those days, then they believed, you know, okay, we can quit fighting. We got an oath. That's good enough. But God said, I, there's nothing There's nothing for me to swear on that's higher than me, so I'm going to swear on myself. Yes. Because I want you to have that assurance that you had mentioned earlier that my word and my promises cannot be changed. And it didn't change from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. His promise did not change. He didn't give... Isaac, a different promise mm-hmm. than he gave Abraham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or Jacob got a different covenant than Isaac or Abraham. They all had the same promise, the same covenant, covenant of circumcision. Yes. The same yes. promise that blessed seed which Christ would come through their lineage. Yeah. And God, like you said, he gave them assurance. And that word oath means a sworn promise or a solemn yeah. promise. Right, not just words. I'm not just going to, you know, pass a few words to you and to give you comfort, but I'm swearing. I swear by an oath, and I'm swearing on myself. So that is, he did, and, and the scripture says he did it like that because he wanted them to have abundant assurance that there's no changing in this promise. It cannot be changed. And you know what I like about God and that word oath, which means solemn? It means that when they build an altar and they put their sacrifice on an altar, if God was approved of it, fire would come down and consume it. Yeah, yeah. And so so they had that in addition, you know, so it's not like, well, we sent our prayer up. Let's see what happens. Is he going to answer? It yeah, come, we're walking around fire. wondering, did he hear me? Is he going to answer? No, he will come and he will respond by consuming that sacrifice yes. and saying, I'll take that as an offering yes. of sacrifice and that you offer by faith. And what you pray has been accepted. And you will receive what you get. And I think John says that we know that if he has our petition, then we know that if he hears us, then we have the petition. It will be granted to us. So, amen. So, let's look at some of the promises that he gave the church. All right. We're going to another scripture. Yes, we're going to go to Joel. Ooh, going to a good, good. And this is the promise of the Holy Spirit 
that he prophesied, or Joel prophesied that the church would get. In chapter 2? Chapter 2, verse 28 and through 29. All right, 28 and 29 say, of the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out of my spirit. Yes, that's another promise. That he gave in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That what he would do for those who would come to him by faith. Yeah. And he fulfilled this promise in Acts. Mm -hmm. Chapter 2. Verse 38. We all know that. Yeah. Repent and you should be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so since he's pouring out of the Spirit, this is really um, a a tremendous um, fulfilling of a promise because he's pouring out of his own Spirit. spirit. So it's the essence of God. It's the oil of God. And I'm going to pour that into these earthen vessels. It's a treasure I'm going to put in these earthen vessels. It was a promise. It was a promise kept. Promise made. Promise kept. God is a promise or a covenant keeping God. He is a God of covenants, many covenants, and he keeps every last one. And we're going to see in this lesson how well we can see how God gave Abraham a promise and then it goes into a covenant. Okay. Because a covenant is always sealed in blood. Promises are just words that are exchanged and accepted. And in this lesson, we're going to go into a little bit more deeper. But I just want to see some of the promises or the definition of a promise and the promise that he had given to the church. And another promise he given to the church valid is the promise of eternal life. I cannot leave this promise out. Of course not. Because I wanted people to know that, that at the end of this life, you have another life. And this is what this whole weekend is all about. This Good Friday is all about. He came to the end of his earthly life. So let's talk about that. Where so go to going? Hebrews chapter 9. Okay. In what verse? In verse 15. All right. Verse 15 says, i make sure I'm in 9. Okay, 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive a promise of eternal inheritance. Yes, eternal life. And this is the, the promise that not only was it in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. And that word testament means um, in order for that testament to have life, mm-hmm. some blood got to be shed. Right, and the testament is, is a covenant. So this, the word testament means covenant. So Old Testament is the old covenant. The New Testament is the new covenant. And we have a better covenant yes. in the New Testament. So it was prophesied in the old. This was prophesied in the old covenant and brought to fruition in the new covenant. And it was in his blood. Yes. And, and the key thing about testament is Testament is a written agreement. Mm-hmm. And in the Old Testament, as we know, whenever God gave something to men, mm-hmm. the prophets, mm-hmm. the kings, the psalmists, mm-hmm. th- those he would like Moses, they had to ratify it in blood. Mm-hmm. Our New Testament covenant 
on this Easter week is ratified in the blood, in of, the blood of, of the risen Savior, mm-hmm. Jesus our Lord. So that Old Testament, um, you know, was not done away with, but it was fulfilled. Yes. And then when he had um, given his life, then the New Testament came into place because it doesn't come into fruition or it doesn't come into effect until the death of the testator or the one that has given that testament or covenant so that's why yes that's why he had to die or this covenant could never have come yes so and that's what this today good friday is all about because the testator yes the testator gives his life and he gives his blood for the redemption so he dies for our sins and when he gives his blood the covenant gets its power and the covenant now is in effect. Powerful so now, covenant. So now we're in the covenant of grace, which is a covenant of power. Not just of forgiving and overlooking and a license to do wrong. And God, you know, he understands. Give me more grace. No, this is a covenant of power. Yes. We're covered right. by the blood. And then we can go to 1 John okay. chapter 2 mm-hmm. and 25. 1 John and 2 and 25 oh that's 3 John 225 and is it just that verse? just that one verse and this is the promise that he hath promised to us even eternal life yes okay that's John's witness and so uh, John is an eyewitness yeah John John the the revelator Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. John the beloved John wrote the gospel John and the book of Revelation. Yes. And these three Gospels, first, second, and third. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he declares, the eyewitness who was with Jesus from the beginning, mm-hmm. was the beloved disciple of Christ. Mm-hmm. He said, this is the promise that was promised unto us, mm-hmm. even eternal life. Eternal life. All right. Lord, have mercy. Isn't he worthy? Yes, and this is Easter. This is his passion. He wanted to go to the cross. Yeah, it, it had to happen. It was something that had, you know, he said it behooved us. We, I remember when he was at, I remember like I was there. Well, I remember reading the story. Reading, yes. Yeah, where he told John, um, he said, oh, you know, baptize me. And John said, oh, no, 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 Lord, I have need to be baptized. But he said, John, it behooves us to feel fulfill all that had been given up to us because there was an order and there was a prescription that God had given for salvation and this was just a portion of it and he couldn't miss a step he couldn't let a scripture fall to the ground so finally we're getting to this part where he is going to have to give the ultimate sacrifice which was brutal and bloody all right where else are we going so we're going to the lesson now okay so, so we're Romans in chapter Romans. 4, mm-hmm. verse 18. Mm-hmm. Abraham against hope, believed in hope. Okay. So what does that mean? Hope, believe in hope. The word hope means this. To wait with great, with great expectation and confidence in God. So if it was against hope, then there was no reason to have confidence from what he yes. could see. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes. And it's going to explain later on how did Abraham get this hope. So we'll get to that. So, let's go to Genesis. Okay, right. well, wait, wait, wait. 
Okay. Let me back up. Okay. Let, let me finish this first. Yeah. So, uh, Abraham against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Okay. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Fifteen and what verse are we looking for in fifteen? Verse five. All right, fifteen and five. And he brought him forth abroad and said. Okay. Look, what? What do abroad mean? Uh, well, from the scenario, just because I know the scenario, he took him outside and he was in the presence under this open heaven. So that's the image that I get, the vision that I get. Yes, you got a good one. And that's and you're directly uh, correct. Abroad means in or to take one to a foreign country. Okay. So God took Abraham abroad. Okay, right, right. And showed him the stars and said, look now. Towards heaven. I mean, not that he wasn't familiar with it, but all he knew is what he saw. Now God's giving him some depth. Yes. According to what he's seen. Okay. And and you're going to go ahead and read it. Mm-hmm. And tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, mm-hmm. so shall thy seed be. Mm-hmm. So he took Abraham and he saw the constellations, mm-hmm. the Milky Way. Yeah. All the heavenly hosts, the stars that God had created. Orion and all the other hosts. And they say that there are galaxies upon galaxies. And, and we, there are galaxies that cannot be seen. Stars that cannot be seen even in this galaxy with the human eye, um, with the naked eye, and even with telescopes. And then they are discovering that there are, what they say, a black hole. And so even that is beyond past. So how could he number them all? So let's go to Psalms. So it was this this is showing the abundance again that it's beyond what your eyes can see, what your mind can imagine, exceeding abundantly and above all that you are able to ask or think. All right, where are we going now? We go to Psalms one forty seven. Yes. Verse four. Oh, those four chapters there, 146 through 50, I love. Okay, so 147 and verse number four says, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. So that's just how in-depth God's relationship is with the stars. He just didn't create them. Mm-hmm. And just do them out there. No, he named them. Yeah, all. it's not just some decoration and design in the sky. That, but but there is intricate inter um, action God that God has with all of His creation. Yes. It's just a man is His masterpiece. But with all of His creation, we see where He had interaction with His animals that he placed on the earth. We see, you know, the winds and the waves. And then now we're seeing where he even had interaction, you know, with those lesser lights, which, you know, the great light was the sun, the lesser lights were the moon and the stars. He has interaction with all of them, but you can't even see them all. Much less number them, but God numbers them. And has interaction with them and calls them. And calls them by by their name. name. Yes. That's pretty powerful. And he went and showed Abram that. Yeah. And wow. ask him, can you number these stars yeah, that I know personally, that I have designed, created them? I know them personally because they have names. Abram, can you tell me if you can number them? 
And, and so you see this with this relationship that Abraham afforded him. God giving him these revelations. Remember how we read suffering brings about visions and revelations of God? Abraham suffered. Abraham went through some things. Look at these revelations God is giving him. Why do we sit and not search for and seek for and desire the things that can be discovered or can be known of God? Because he can show them to you, even in the Word. Yes. So Abraham had hope against all hope. And he had reason to. Yes. When God show you this, mm-hmm. that, he that's just stripping your faith and, and your faith should grow. Even though his wife could not bear a, th- a ch- children. A child. Children, right. yes. Her body was um, dead. Her womb yes. was dead, the scripture said. We're going to get into that. But mm-hmm. Abraham, with this revelation, revelation, was able to grasp and conceive Faith, faith in his spirit. Wow, you've shown me all this. You're so amazing. Then surely this 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 woman, yes. yes. This yes. man, yes. yes. You made a promise, yes. God goes to great extent to show. So can you imagine God taking Abraham to the constellation and showing him the stars and their names? That's amazing. And the stars are interacting with God when he calls them. By name. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard for us to even imagine that. That's what he said. But more than we're able to ask or even think. Yes. You can't even think. Because some of this stuff would be like nonsense to you, you know what I mean? But Bible said it says that it pleased God. That through the foolishness of preaching, that he should save men. So if it's just nonsense to you, if you can believe or grasp it like Abraham did, look what he got. Yes. He got a promise that endured, not just from that time. But it's an eternal promise. Amen. So let's look at the hope of the saints. Okay. Let's go to First Thessalonians. First, and we're going to four. Yeah. First Am I cheating? Chapter four here. Eighteen. My notes. No, I didn't. First, <laughs> didn't Thess- First Thessalonians, chapter four. Okay. Verse thirteen. Uh, okay. This is the hope of the saints. Four and yeah, yes, absolutely, and 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 we need hope to be the anchor for our soul. Four and thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others sorrow which have no hope. You want me to continue? Yes, go down to verse 18. Okay. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. That is the hope of the saints. That's the hope that Dr. we have. Dr. Simpson. The eternal, eternal, uh, that, that death, that even death, you know, is just a cessation of this body. Mm-hmm. But he's going to give us another body. But even though, we're going to find out, we're going to read this, even though... The Bible said, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We're going to talk about that a little bit, too. 
Yeah. It's awesome. Amen. What a great hope that the church have in the risen Savior, Jesus, our Lord. Isn't the word of God awesome? If I'll you tell read you. it and you allow the Holy Ghost to, to just open it to you and, yeah. and you meditate on it, it, it's phenomenal. Other than that, it's just a pastime, you know, something you do on a habit, going to church, hearing the word, you know, whatever. But take it to heart. It's powerful. You have it's to apply it. You have to apply it to your heart. And just like they say, you have to break up Found the fallow ground so this word can get into your 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 heart. But the word is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So the word itself will break a fallow ground too, right? Yes. So you've got it's powerful. It's it's got multiple functions. It'll break up the fallow ground and then it'll get down in there and let the seed take root and then it'll grow and then it'll spring up and it's just we can go on and on. Right. So verse 19 of the lesson. Okay, of the lesson. Okay, so we're just getting to the second verse. Okay. And now being weak in faith, yeah. he considered not his own body now dead. Mm-hmm. With that great revelation of seeing the constellation okay. and God interacting with the stars. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not weak in faith now, Valerie. Okay. He's strong in faith. Yeah. Of course. That, Not that experience. Yes. God took him out there and persuaded him and showed him some things. If you let him, God can show you some reasons to hold on. And we can see him. We saw what God did for Paul, didn't he? Can you imagine? And God John. is showing you the stars and he's naming them and he's having interaction with them. Your faith would do what, Valerie? Be like this. Do this, do this with me. Come on, do this with me. <laughs> flexible. Flexible. Strong I'm faith. I'm woman. I Yours, okay. Strong faith. Strong faith. Okay. Well, you know, I'm thinking also not not only did he do that for um, Abraham, but you know, Paul, right? To Paul, to third heaven. He caught him up. John, you know, he showed, he gave him a revelation while he was out on Patmos, and he gives revelations. He does. He of himself. So then that helps your faith along the way. Yes. Right. He considered not his own body now dead mm-hmm. when he was about a hundred years old, right. neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's right. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. 11 and 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just that one verse? Yeah. Okay, 11 11. Through faith also Sarah received, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful. Now, we're going to go in Genesis and we're going to look at Sarah's account and Abraham's account and how God still blessed him. In Genesis chapter... 17. All right, Genesis chapter 17. And I hope you're keeping up, folks. But you can always listen to the podcast again and get those scriptures and just build up your arsenal. All right, 17 and what verse? Verse 15. 15 says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Okay, now why? Because Sarai means princess. Mm-hmm. But Sarah means my prince mm-hmm. my princess mm-hmm. because now 
she's part of the covenant. Now you have to remember, this is chapter 17 of Genesis. If you go to the previous chapter, God cut a covenant with Abraham. Yeah, that's true. So now Abraham went from promises to now a covenant. So not only is she a princess, but now because of her faith, he has she he has taken up ownership of her. Well, she's my princess. Yeah, well, possession. Princess. He yes. now possesses her. He possesses her heart. He possesses the reins of her heart, her mind. She is his. She is the woman, the mother, you know, um, of the promise seed. Of promise seed, absolutely. Beautiful. So go to verse of sixteen. Verse sixteen. Of um. Chapter Genesis, seven. Yes. Okay. And I will bless her and give her a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. That's 16. No, no 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? Now let's go back Sarah. and look at laugh. I looked up that definition, okay. laugh, Valerie, because I'm like that. You know I'm like that, right? You're like that. So I looked up laugh, and laugh got three definitions. It means an emotion of expression of joy, emotion of expression of mirth, mm -hmm. or emotion of expression of ridicule. La laugh, mirth, and ridicule. Yeah. So Abraham... And this laughter, I think it was ridicule. Yeah, it was self-ridicule, right? <laughs> yes, because he's going to tell you as we go on, as you read. That's crazy. It's in like, his heart. That's ridiculous. Yeah. How, here I am, 100, 100 years, years old, old, and, and her woman was dead. Yeah. And then she's going to have some laughter, too. And her side of the story is going to be funny, too. Yes, so finish reading. Okay, and laughed and said in, and said in her heart. In his heart. Um, 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old and shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. He's pointing back to that one. Just yeah, bless, but that wasn't the blessing. That wasn't the promise. And God said, Sarah, Sarah, thy wife. Now he's calling her Sarah. Yeah, my princess. It's the first time he's actually, just go ahead instead of the introduction. Sarah, my, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And guess what Isaac's name means? You're going to tell me. Laugh. Okay. So what was Abraham in his heart doing laughing? That's what God told him. You're going to name Abraham laughter, which won't mean ridicule, but it would mean joy. Yes. And myrrh. Myrrh means to make happy. Like when you have a marriage, you, yeah. you have a myrrh. Music, laugh. Mm -hmm. So you ridiculed me, but I'm going to tell you to call his name Isaac, which means joy and her. Because you laugh. So every time you, you call his name, you'll so be reminded of this moment. So let's go look at Sarah's laughter in Genesis chapter 18. Okay. 18 and verse. 
Okay. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, and with Sarah heard in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure with my Lord, uh, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abram, Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child, which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At that time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou did laugh. And the men rose up from thence and took toward and went and looked That's toward good. Sodom. Okay. That's good. So as you can see, when the visitation came, mm -hmm. God is still faithful to his promise. Absolutely. Because now they're in a covenant relationship and he already changed Sarah's name mm -hmm. because she has she always had purpose. Yeah. But now part of the covenant. And it was already known before the foundation of the world, but now it's being made known unto her. And his laughter was, oh my gosh, I'm a hundred years old and her womb is dead. And her laughter was like, oh, am I going to have pleasure? Are we really going to have this physical pleasure? And then, you know, also bring forth. And she laughed and he said, what's she laughing about? Oh, no, I didn't laugh. Oh, you laughed. Nothing too hard for God. I'm coming back in the year, in the time of life, and you will have a son. Absolutely. Nothing too hard for God. Where are we going now? First 20 of the Sunday school lesson. Okay. Alright, so verse 20 of the lesson. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Okay. That stagger means he didn't waver mm -hmm. at what God has promised. Or we might look at it as he didn't get tripped up or didn't throw him off. Yeah. Yeah. Or unbelief would mean start sinning and, and Going from, from mm -hmm. believing but God. But that stagger part means throw them off. Because yeah. some, some, some things can happen that will throw you off your, your, your foundation of faith. You know what I mean? Situations. And you'll be strong and you'll be ready to go through it. And then something happens and you get a little stumbled up. Yeah. You lose your footing a little bit. But he didn't stagger at he it. He didn't stagger. Oh, wow. How could you stagger at that kind of revelation that God would give you. Oh, well, when he gave him out there under those stars, that was amazing. Yeah. About that. That was and then when he cut the covenant and that 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 furnace came, that torch came between them. That darkness, that, yes. that darkness, um, and then then uh, smoke, like a smoking furnace and yes. that fire came and consumed. Consumed those You know, so he's done some things, he's revealed some things to show him you know how awesome he really is yes. and God wants to show us how awesome he is but we got to spend time with him yes that's why I told you to do this flex because you got strong faith I did Valerie 
Can you give us a flex right here? Because our faith was strong. <laughs> like Abraham's faith. Moving right along here. <laughs> so he staggered down at the promise of God through unbelief. Okay. But was strong in faith, giving glory God to giving glory. glory. To God. <laughs> so. Okay. Let's go to Genesis. And we're going to see how he gave God glory. So Genesis chapter 22. Okay. In verse 14. Okay. Just, uh, are, we, are we reading just one verse? Yeah. 22, 14 says, okay. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Yes. He gives God his first name, Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Well, so as I, I know that, that when they say Jehovah, that's covenant, that's referring to a covenant that God has, a revelation that they've gotten from God. So he acknowledges and now lifts God up saying, um, this is a covenant of provision that yeah. you've given, that you've given me. So let's, let's get the highlight of the story. Okay. God told, instruct Abraham to take his son, his only son Isaac, to take him to a place where he wanted him to Mount sacrifice Moriah. Mount Moriah. Mm -hmm. So he takes Isaac to Mount Moriah and he was going to sacrifice him. Mm -hmm. But God told him to stay his hand because he knew that Abraham believed him. Right, right. And God provided a, a ram in the bush. Right, and so because of God's provision, you know, he said, Jehovah Jireh. So I, I have now a connection, a covenant. I have an assurance. I have a surety that you are a provider. Yes. So... And it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving God to glory. Okay. Giving glory to God. This is giving glory to God. Yes. Okay. Giving glory to God. Okay. All right. So 21, because we're running out. Being fully persuaded, being fully convinced that, that what he promised, he was also able to perform. Yep. So after all of that, now he's convinced. He is God convinced. is convinced. And he wants us to be convinced. Because he wants to show us some things. And I think um, we just don't like the way that he goes about showing it to us. A lot of times he shows it to us in trials. A lot of times he shows it to us in, you know, very difficult, astonishing situations. You know, a lot of times we're faced with, we're confronted with situations but it's God's opportunities trying to show us some things. So I think that we can learn a lot more if we were willing to learn, which means we have to be willing to be in situations where God can present his power and his glory. Well, one thing we have to understand is, is this faith is, our salvation is so precious mm -hmm. that we have to be tried. We have to be tried. So we can see what's in us. Yeah. But... When we are tried and our faith mm -hmm. is being stretched mm -hmm. and it kind of cements us that we really love God yeah. more than this world. Well, the scripture says that, you know, the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. 
Yes. So in, in that trying process, you know, there is a purification that, that, that occurs. So, and it's, you know, gold is a very precious and valuable substance, but the trying of your faith makes you much more precious and much more valuable than gold, both to the kingdom, to God, and to those that you are in contact with. Because when you look at this lesson, he finally gets Isaac the promise that God gave to him and Sarah. Right. Okay, Dr. Simpson? Yeah. And then God tells him to take him to Mount Moriah yeah. and give him to me as a sacrifice. And, and he does exactly that because after God has shown him all those things, it was, it was, I'm sure it was unsettling, you know, that he would have to be the one to take his child's life. But he was so persuaded that God was able to fulfill whatever he, he, he said he was going to do. If you gave me this child and said he's the child of promise, and you, went, you, you gave him to us after we were even able, surely if I offer him up, you're able to still make him a child, even if you got to raise up the ashes. Yeah. Even if you have to somehow bring him back from the dead after I offer him as a sacrifice. So, And in this instance, this was a type and shadow of Christ. Right. That God will offer up his son for us, mm-hmm. but God will not um, give a sacrifice. Christ will sacrifice or substitute. Christ will be our substitute. Yeah, he substituted our death. And that was very, you know, that's something we ought to be appreciating right now. That's the gospel message. Mm-hmm. The death, burial, and resurrection. And of our Lord especially and on this Christ. Good Friday. And yeah. we commemorate this. It's not just a half a day of work or just a day where we have a three-hour service or a day where we do the seven last sayings of Christ. It's much more than that. Yes. Amen. All right, I'm going to... Verse 22 of the lesson. 22 says... Oh, I'm sorry, verse 21. 21. And being fully persuaded, convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. That's what we were just talking about. So he was, he was persuaded in 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. righteousness. So because you believe me, you're righteous. So impute me what? It was counted. Counted. Accounted. Credited. Credited. Something to another. Okay. So because your faith has made you accounted or you are numbered or assessed as a righteous person because you believe me. It was by faith. And this is still the old covenant. And this is what I love about it. Because Abraham believed and he had to walk it out, live out what God had instructed him to do. And it's what we have to do when we get saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have to live a righteous life. But Dr. Simpson, we got the Holy Ghost to help us. We're empowered. To live inside of us. Well, we're in this, this age of grace, so that's what is empowering us to do it. So it's not like, you know, we're, we're just doing it because we made up in our minds. No, we need a power because we're still in flesh and bones. Yeah. We're still in these bodies, which are, which are weak and frail, and flesh is not saved. It's not, the, the, you know, it's the spirit that's quickened, but the flesh profits nothing. So it's the Holy Ghost that's in us that gives us the power to resist, to obey, to stand, to hold fast, and to fulfill the will of God. So we're in power. All right, verse number 23. Now as it is now it was not written for his sake alone, but it was imputed to him. Verse 24. But for us also, 
to whom it shall be imputed. So he's, he's now bringing it down to us how we're going to be counted righteous. We're going to be counted righteous by our faith. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So yes. this is where our faith must settle, that God raised Jesus from the dead. You know, like the baptism, they say, dearly beloved, of, upon you the confession of your faith according to the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the root. You believe. And then you also have, you know, that whole, because you believe that, then you should have repentance and remorse in your heart for the life that you live because of what he went through. But here's where he's saying it's imputed because we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead. We believe on God, the, the God that raised Jesus from the dead. No other, you know, you got a whole lot of uh, false religions and false doctrines and teachings out there. But the only way to be counted righteous is to believe on the God that raised up yes. Jesus from the dead. All right. Verse 25. For who was delivered for our offenses mm-hmm. and was risen again. And was raised again for, for our, our justification. justification. And justification means what? It means counted the guilty just before God. Yes. Or they're shown to be righteous. Mm-hmm. Those who was guilty. Those who, you know... Uh, it's kind of like, doesn't it take you back to that story in um, Zechariah where the, um, the priest stood before the Lord and Satan stood there to accuse him and he, and he had on filthy garments, but the Bible says, Satan, no Lord, rebuke thee. This is a brand plucked out of the fire. So he was counted, even though, you know, his sins were, his, his, his garments were filthy, it represented sin. But because of his faith and his humility, God counted that for righteousness and exchanged his garments for clean garments. That's another uh, example of the justification that we get through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus yes. Christ. And we, and we must also uh, keep in mind that our justification, we had to have someone to justify us. And that is none other than our risen Savior. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ who at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. Paul says this, I wrote something for uh, in Putin. For the church it is treated as Where are we at? Where's that at? The scripture. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you had scripture. I'm sorry. It was there it was there through faith. It is on the basis of Jesus' righteousness that God accepts humans, human beings. This exception is also referred to as justification. Mm-hmm. So by we believing that Jesus rose from the dead. Right. And his blood was shed for our redemption. It was shed for our redemption. We are now justified, cleansed, washed up. Amen. And now he can present us to the Father, faultless and blameless. Amen. So there's so much, you know, and you can really go into um, the book, still the same book of Romans, chapter number five, but I think that we're coming up on that. Yeah, we're coming up on five. So a lot of the justification that we're talking about is going to be um, talked about um, in more depth by Paul in the fifth chapter. So you want to definitely come back 
for next week's lesson. Just want to go into the book of Luke. So uh, that's the second part or passage of the scripture, but we're kind of running out of time here. So um, chapter number 24, verse number one of Luke says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So this is uh, the women. And um, they were coming to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. Yes. So uh, that this was a um, this is something that they did as a part of the culture, kind of like an embalming to preserve. And you know they they loved him. So this was a, a act of also a process of closure and grief and all that. So um, that's what they did. So they came, and then the scripture in verse number two says, and they found the stone rolled away. Number one, they, the, and the scripture does say in, uh, in one of the other gospels that as they were going, they were going to anoint his body. Yes. But they had the discussion, who's going to move that stone? You know, that's going to be a problem. But then when they get there, they found the stone was rolled away. So according to Luke, uh, by the time uh, he, he explains it, the, the stone was not a problem. Verse number three says, And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord. That's a problem. So as as a result of them not finding the body, the stone is gone. All kinds of things start going through them, I'm certain. Number one, the stone's gone. His body's not here. And verse number four says, It came to pass as they were much perplexed. So they were in, you know, perplexing. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm confused. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm afraid. I'm grieved. It's a, there's a lot of emotion going through them now with this word perplexed because the body is gone. And then it says, thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. So that is a good indication that heaven is involved in this because when we see these appearances of men in shining garments, we know that they're sent from God. And angels, you know, and that's where we say there were two angels. Um, and so we know heaven is involved in this because that same glory that it came upon Jesus, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, is what's going on here. So it says while they were in that state of perplex, while they were perplexing in that, uh, that state of mind, that the man stood by them in shining clothes. And verse 5 says, and as they were afraid because now we're, we're we're confused and then now these men are here now we're scared so now we're afraid so what do they do they bow down they humble themselves as much as they could they bowed their faces to the earth we're not putting up any resistance we're not um arguing we're just you know we don't know what's happening here so it was a very it was a very terrifying moment they bowed their face to the earth, and then it says, They said unto them, Why? And this is the two men in shining garments say to the women and the others that came with them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Why are you looking for a living person in a place where a dead person should be? Yes. Now, there's a whole lot of gospel in that. Yes. There's a whole lot of gospel in that. But somebody used up the time. I don't know who it was, Elder Simpson. Maybe we'll talk about it. Verse number six says this. He is not here, but is risen. Listen, that first part, he is. Let's stop with that. We think that when a person dies, they are no more. That's not what the scripture says. He is. He is. 
He still, he still exists. And that's what I have to say about my mother, my father that died in, you know, you know, in the Holy Ghost. And that was a hard thing for me to accept. They were the first ones in our family to die. But I had to remember, they still exist. And they were looking for the living among the dead. Now, we take our loved ones out to a cemetery, right? And we, put, we bury them in a plot or cremate them. But the living are not there. It says, he is not here, but he is risen. He is risen. Remember, now, they take him back. And look at Luke putting this documentation together. Remember how he spake to you, saying, when he was in Galilee, remember what Jesus said when he was in Galilee? Saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day raised again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember he said that? That he was going to be taken by wicked men? Sinful men were going to take him and they were going to crucify him? But remember, that's not how it ends. He said, but on the third day he's going to rise again. So when you walked up, and you saw that that stone was rolled away. And now you can't find his body. He's not here. You're looking for the dead. You're in a place where dead people are. But he is not here. He is living. And Jesus says it in the book of Revelation. Yes. I am he that was dead, but now I'm alive forever. And there is an evermore coming. Yes. Once you... And that's what I say. Death is the final hurdle for anybody. That's why I don't fear death. It is the final hurdle of the effects of sin and this world and, and the enemy and all of the corruption that we see around us. Yes. That's the last fence you'll have to leap over. And that's death. He's not here, but he is risen. And then verse number eight. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Yes. Well, I am going to stop right there because we are out of time. But this is a good lesson. So we are not on a cliffhanger. You guys know what happens. But we're going to look into it some more on next week. So celebrate today, those of you that are rejoicing in the... Um, Good Friday services and look forward because Sunday morning is coming. Jesus has already had his Sunday morning and many others have already had their Sunday morning and our Sunday morning is going to come. We read in the book of Thessalonians that there's going to be a a Sunday morning for everybody that believes God. All right, with that, I'm going to go ahead and close the service. Elder, you want to pray us out? Yes, now to him that's able, able to, to do, keep, keep, you keep you from falling and, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the, the only wise God, God our Savior. Be glory, be glory majesty, majesty, dominion, and power, both now, both and, now forever. and forever. In Jesus' amen. name, amen. God bless you. Join us next week.